now for something special. The unit is self-contained with its own saddler, farrier, wheelwright, and so on. It's a rigorous training dished on who know all there is to know about horses, and it brings results. We take you behind the scenes now to show just some of the interesting aspects of this training. Welcome to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the best podcast to create sounder horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF1 accreditation. On this week's episode, continuing stories of Dusty and get ready for spring or fall grasses and a healthy weight for horses. All this and much, much more will be discussed here on Equine Dynamics. And over my far right side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Travis? Doing all right. Anything exciting happened in the last week or so? Well, I got out of bed this morning and I could move. Well, that's, that's pretty exciting. Well, I just want to let you know, today's my wife's birthday. Well, happy birthday. And she's taking the day off without well, it being President's Day and all that. So she's taking the day off. She's met a nice group of people where she's boarding the horse now. Uh, they had a little get-together party uh, yesterday. Not for her, for someone else there. She's like, you know what? I'm starting to enjoy getting out there and, and seeing all these people and getting back in the horse community. You know, even though she says horse people are weird. And I go, yeah, it's a good thing, babe. I'm the one that's keeping you level <laughs> as far as horses and stuff. Uh, but for the most part, you know, she works from home. I work from home. The only people she sees, Mike, is myself, you, her trainer, and then that's it. Just us three guys and maybe a occasional customer will come over and buy our, our eggs because we do have chickens and stuff. Right. She's getting, uh, she's getting used to going. Going out there and, and seeing all the friends and kind of networking out there. And she's saying, nah, the, the horse people aren't that crazy over there. That's good for her. Uh, what else have you got going on here lately? That you Have you worked on anything exciting? Any problem horses out there that you've come across? Well, you know, it's spring. So things seem to be flaring up, and horses tend to, they're acting like it's spring, let's say that. When you say acting like it's spring, why are they getting hot and heavy, too? A little, little friskier, a little more excited about life. Now, is there a mating season for horses? I mean, I know, because they have cycles. The female horses have cycles just like humans do or any other animal that, that's not fixed or anything. Is this the time of year that you start seeing more breeding of horses? Well, it depends on what they're breeding, but I think the horses do come into stronger heats and when, when spring weather starts coming up. And with more babies that are coming out, that's more footwork and stuff that you need to, to start addressing now. Well, it's not that so much. Uh, you're talking about lost shoes earlier. Yeah. it around, I see out in the field, I see more of that. And it seems like you have to see more horses out clowning around, a few more injuries from that sort of deal. But, you know, I've gotten, gotten a number more vet calls that I'm working on. And Now we're going to talk about seeding the pastures. And I just recently seeded our pasture here. Uh, we have... Uh, our property sits on, the house itself sits on about two and a half acres, and the rest of the property is all horse pastures and the barn and everything. So I've got a little breakdown of what we got, and we'll dive into that here in the show as far as what grass seed I put down, how to keep control of the horse's weight this time of year, whether it fluctuates up and down. Fluctuating up and down is good, right? Well, I think that people do not like to see the horse's weight <laughs> fluctuate, uh -huh. but when you're getting ready to go into new grazing, sometimes it's not bad for their weight to back off some. It's kind of like us doing it all, all you can eat buffet. If we keep doing that, you know what happens. <laughs> I fall asleep on the way home. All right, guys, stick around. We got a big show to get into. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. Stick around. He'll be right back. Welcome 
Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. Don't forget, for every podcast we do, we have a matching video as well, and you can see myself waving to Mike, Mike waving to me here in the studio. All you do is go to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein on YouTube, and you can see Mike has posted a bunch of videos up there as far as horse care, hoof care, and creating sounder horses. And you can find them on Facebook as well under the same title, Mike Stein Equine Dynamics. And if you have any questions for the show, for Mike himself, the way you contact him is go to equinedynamics.com at the top of the page. Actually, I said at the bottom of the page before. It's at the top of the page. It says contacts. Fill out that little form and make sure in the subject line you put podcast so Mike can decipher between all those other emails that he's getting. And we will answer your question about your horse. Anything, any topics you have on your horse, Mike can answer them as well. And over to my far hand side is Mike Stein. Hello, Travis. How are you? Now, last week we were talking about Dusty the horse. And give us a little background before we actually dive into the continuation of this story. Well, this is a horse that goes back to before I ever started shooting. And we talked about the problem of saddle as the mare grew up. Over time, we talked about the navicular syndrome. Well, over time, the mare started coming up a little off in the front end. And sure enough, we have some navicular problems. Quarter horse mare laying on the front end too much. With the saddle trap in the shoulders, created her laying on the front end too much. As far as her developing like you would love for your quarter horse to be, she was always a little weak in the hind quarters, and she's just that way. But on the other end, now looking back, what we were doing with attack and creating a situation where the shoulders did not move, creating a situation where the hind end did not come under it. At that point, I didn't understand. Then we started dealing with problems down the road because of the issues that we had ca- we had ended up causing because, you know, we thought the saddle fit. As we learned things, and this is part of the big learning curve we all go through, starts looking back what we had done with our horses, and it's like, oh, I look at pictures of horses I have owned in past history and learning what I've done about as far as working with horses and signs that they're telling us that something's going on before it happens. And I look back at those horses. I'm like, boy, that horse is really put together and moving good, strong, and all those kind of stuff. And I pick up the picture from 30, 40 years ago. It's like, oh, crap. I was doing the exact same thing from that picture is what I'm looking at on people's horses right now when I'm deciding how to work with them. And, boy, I was ignorant. Well, education comes through time. So what's the latest update as far as what you're doing with the horse now? The way I would prep a foot now is not anything like I did what I thought then because that's that's been a constant involvement. There was so much that if we could have gone back a few years, gone to she was younger on training, on tack, on a lot of things, that could have been a totally different situation real early. And that's one thing I really want to get through to horse owners is paying attention to what is really going on, learning to look at a horse, learning how to feel it. You know, and am I working with Tony Gonzalez? And Ray and those guys, Ray Morris, my vision of a horse has changed so much over the years. It has made a huge difference in my approach on working with horses in general. I can look back, and if we had known at this point, did she have to come up with a navicular issue? Now, yes, she was a breed that's more prone to it. She had a little bit of a short, upright pastern. If the shoulder had been moving freely and opened up, we wouldn't have had the impact level. Since we had tied it into place with the saddle, because, oh, my God, the saddle slipped back and cranked it down and pulled the girth too far forward, we limited the movement of the shoulder, created a big impact. Well, you know, she didn't move quite right. Well, I guess that's just the way she is. My wife just had the uh, the saddle fitter come out this past week. She uh, went out to the barn. The saddle fitter said, oh, my God, your horse has, has changed so much in the last three, four months since the last time she was out there. So she was adjusting the saddle for 
the horse and try to make it fit. And she was like so impressed of how much that horse has changed and how much she had to reflock and do all the stuff to make that saddle fit on the horse. And Amy got on it and rode. And she was like going, it's like a million bucks. It's like wearing a, a brand new pair of shoes. So here's the next question. Was uh-huh. it a change to the positive or the negative? Where the horse changed? Well, the change. Was oh, it, it was, it was getting t- bigger and stronger? Yes. Or was the horse actually in the way? Yes, I understand the question now. Yes, to a positive stance. She could see more muscle definition. She could see the change. And I don't know the actual terminology, <laughs> Mike. I'm sorry. But she could see where the horse is raised up here and this muscle is moved here. And she would have to change, of course, the, the saddle to accommodate the right. the strength. We're starting to build some back muscle. Correct. We're starting to fill in the hollows behind the withers. Yes. yes. That, that stuff there. <laughs> and so many times people say, oh, the horse's withers are becoming more prominent. It's not necessarily that they're becoming more prominent. It's the muscle around them is atrophying away. So then you fill that in because, oh, my God, it's going away. And then you start trapping the horse in that position. You know, we work so hard at getting them up to round to move correctly. Then you see horses where it has gone away. So you fit to that, fit to that, fit to that. Well, the more you fit to the inverted back, the more you keep the inverted back inverted. So here's a question for you. How often, if any, should a horse saddle be adjusted or flocked or looked at? Now, shoes you do every four to six weeks because the horses are always changing. Their, you're trying to fix whatever the movement's going on. How often should you do that for a horse saddle based on what we were talking about with Dusty the horse and stuff? Well, I think you probably need to talk to the saddle fitter and see when their mortgage is due. <laughs> That's the way I feel all the time. Yeah, oh, but we've got a payment due. The, the flocking becomes compressed. There are ways you can get in there and fluff out the flock. I don't think that's done very often. Depends on the use of the horse. So my wife, my wife rides about three times a week mm-hmm. for our lessons. Not four hour lessons, for an hour lesson each. Mm-hmm. And then that, that's it. I mean, but it's, and she rides dressage. And so I'm thinking, you know, is it every six months? Is it every three months? What's a, it, one of the best ways I know is, and like with your navicular horses in particular, the way I tell how good they're doing if we haven't shot x rays is literally running my hand down the lower back and see how the back is reacting. Owners can learn to feel that. I mean, Ray and myself were working, teaching people about massage. A lot of it is just learning to feel your horse because you're going to see some negative changes starting to show up. It's like, oh, we need to do something. Then maybe we need to get the saddle fitter in. What do you say negative things happening? We're, we're going to start seeing some atrophy. We're going to start finding some hard, tight spots in the muscle. Okay. We're going to see the movement pattern start to shorten. You can see that. You can feel it. The horse is screaming. Something needs to be done. So feel the horse every day or every time they that you're out there every time you're going to ride it and just notice the changes. With a little coaching, owners can, can start to see we've got some things going on here. And then we address it. And then we move back to the positive. Because there's way too many horses that are retired because of unsoundness. And we should be retiring them happy because of old age. When's your next clinic that you got coming up? You got a clinic coming up here soon? We do have something. I don't have any exact dates. There's going to be a Buckeye event in Monroe at the Ag Center, it looks like. And I've been speaking with some people. I've been going back and forth with Aiken. I had a couple dates in Aiken, but because of the COVID deal, that got that got shut down. Yeah, yeah I know. It shut a lot of things down for us. So that'll be interesting. The closer we get to that date, the more information we'll have for you. All right, guys, stick around. Uh, I just got done seating my lawn. I want to make sure that I did it correctly, and uh, Mike Stein's going to tell me whether I did or not. Stick around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back.
Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the official farrier of the 2018 World Equestrian Games. And for more information on him, make sure you go over to equinedynamics.com. If you have a question for us, make sure you fill out the little contact section at the top of the page. Uh, send your questions in to Mike. Make sure you put podcasts in the subject line so he can answer that. We can get it on the very next podcast. And don't forget, for every podcast we do, uh, we have a matching video. Go over to YouTube, search for Mike Stein Equine Dynamics, and also on Facebook as well. And over to my far right side is Mike Stein. How are you? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing well. Now, I went and uh, I bought one of those big medieval-looking rollers with all the spikes and stuff that I can pull behind my side-by-side to aerate my lawn. My house sits on about two and a half acres, and the rest of the whole property is all pastures. So I put Kentucky 31 grass seed, reseeded it, what they call overseed? Overseed, yeah. Yeah, because I did it in in early fall, and I started to do the pasture. Now, the pasture I do, let me read this here. I have a tall fescue mix, I'm sorry, a fawn tall fescue, a select tall fescue, other crop seeds, inert matter, which is basically just wood chips or wood shavings, and weed seed. And this bag, this 50-pound bag right here, costs about 200 bucks that I got. I don't know if you want to look at that or not. But I reseeded the pasture in hopes and preparation for this coming spring. Is it good to do grass and hay? Because we do a Timothy alfalfa hay, like a compressed hay that we put in the stall. One horse gets about a fleck and a half each, and then we turn them out into the pastures. I know we've got two little ponies here. Sometimes they get fat, sometimes they get skinny. Sometimes they get fat, sometimes they get skinny. What am I looking for as far as seeding my lawn, getting the pasture ready? Is there a hay to grass ratio as far as what they should be on and off at the same time? Well, I know I threw a lot at you there. Sorry. <laughs> I would, as the grasses come in, you need to come cut back on some groceries because you need to look at overall caloric intake. The other thing is, in this part of the country, the colder weather grasses for us are coming in or starting to. In other parts of the world, like my friends down south in New Zealand, their fall grasses are coming in. People don't think about it, but in this part of the country, we think about laminitis in the spring, right? Yes. Because that's when horses found her. Guess what? I have more calls in the fall here. How come? Because, because people aren't thinking about it. That's a springtime thing. Horses in the wild, their weight fluctuates. They eat through the winter. Things get hard. They drop weight. Grass comes in. They eat. And we have a real thing about our horse losing weight. Now, most of us, at a certain point in life, we're trying to figure out how to lose weight. When you start putting them onto new feed... We need to think about the other feeds we're putting in them, and we need to back off. And I don't have any problem with a horse dropping a little weight before they're going into new grazing because I'm on the receiving end of, oh, my horses, it can't walk. we got a pulse. we got problems. What happened? But she's fat and beautiful. You know, horses love to eat. You know, that's like a, this little friend of mine said, you look at somebody and say, well, they got great pull-up muscles, but not good push-back muscles. They can't push back from the table. Horses ain't going to push back from the table. They're just going to eat. There are probably more horses out there than people would admit to that may have a little, some underlying metabolic stuff, especially as they age, get a little older. And when we buy horses eight years old, ten years later, and our mind is still eight years old. There again, be proactive as, instead of reactive. Also, when, when you're working on your paddocks, you know some of the hay crops and all, they will hit with nitrogen. Some of the field crops, I know that the, the winter wheat, they have just hit with nitrogen behind the house. Hitting your pastures with nitrogen can be not good on your horses at all. Why, and why is that? There again, laminitis and feet problems. Oh, okay. I was talking to one of the ag agents that we have here in Union County, or did have in Union County, and he said for horse pastures, lime. He said don't fertilize, don't anything. If you put something on, lime it. Just lime? Just lime. Now, I 
put this this past rotation that I did. Are you familiar with malarganite? Not a clue. Malarganite is a is all natural, one hundred percent organic fertilizer. It, it actually, if you read the back of it, it comes from the sewage system from Wisconsin. So it's it's dried human waste from Wisconsin, made into granule pellet form, and it does have somewhat. I think it's four percent iron in it. I think the nitrogen's a little high. And they use chicken litter on the fields behind my house. Okay, so it, it's almost the same thing. Yeah, Just that this but they're is not, a, they're not grazing horses on that. Uh, we put the nitrogen or the the malarganite down. My question is, what is the actual caloric intake? For example, they say humans should have anywhere from 2,000 to 2,400, depending on your height and everything, calories per day to maintain a weight. Is there a, a rule of thumb as far as uh, caloric intake for horses, or is it a... Well, there, there are some rules out there learning to pay attention to weight tapes. If you can't afford a weight tape, which is extremely cheap, and you can get them pretty much into your feed dealers. Any horse, learn how to use a weight tape, monitor their weight, look at old pictures of the horse, because, you know, we get used to, so used to seeing the horse every day, and you think, oh, he looks good. We can't see a rib anywhere. He's at a good weight. Well, you know, if we're at that weight, what kind of shape are we in? I know. I, I looked at pictures about, I was going through some pictures the other day of just me even six years ago. I'm like, oh, back then I thought I was fat. <laughs> I was skinnier then than I was now. You know, I can still wear the same pants I wore in high school. I just can't get them much past my knee. Now, one of our horses, you were talking about having a- actual personal issues. One of our miniature horses out there has a thyroid problem. Right. So she's, you know, with a thyroid problem, she puts on a lot of weight and she's getting kind of chunky. Uh, she looked like a big whiskey barrel walking around the, the property. And so we've got her some kind of... Uh, stuff for her thyroid to kind of bring her back down and right. what other stuff should we be looking for as far as that horses probably should be treated like your thyroid horse and in general especially as they age start thinking more like how should you eat as a human to keep from becoming diabetic pay attention to your sugars pay attention to your overall caloric intake and it is overall caloric intake so when the grasses come in and they're getting more calories off the grasses if you keep your hay in your grain at the same level horses are working and all of a sudden they're starting to go out of work there has been problems with horses that have been hard work that have gotten injured and gone off work well this is what we feed them and then boom in a few weeks it's like oh our feet are flaring up when they're burning 10,000 calories a day or whatever they're burning and they're eating that fine all of a sudden they go out of work and we didn't start drawing their feedback and there's a ratio on how much you can draw back per week you know on your grain or whatever you're feeding them without starving them right and that that all can be looked up online we got access to all kinds of stuff these days that was a big thing when i worked for dick mansman his clinic when he was operating and he still consults purely built around podiatry you know his thing was overall caloric intake he made people weigh hay because you don't know from one batch of hay to the next exactly what you're feeding them when my wife feeds the horses like i said we do the the timothy hay and it's only a fleck and a half per horse then they they get turned out into the pastures and the pastures right now they do have grass on it but they're choosy you know they they only eat this grass they won't eat that grass that type deal when my wife makes me go out there and i say makes me go out there when my wife gives me hey do you mind going out there and drop food for the horses because i'm working a little bit late i'm like yeah no problem she's got like these little maybe a a quart bag ziploc bag i'd say a scoop but like a half a cup of granules in it and then that's it and a couple a little bit of powder for the one horse that's got the thyroid problem but the food itself it wouldn't even make a bowl of cereal for for a child i mean that's how small the food is i can't imagine that and this is me not being a horse guy i can't imagine that being enough food to satisfy the horse i know it's all minerals it's all vitamins and all that stuff 
but they actually like hunt it down. Like they, you know, put the food in the, the bucket. I want to eat those half a cup of grilled pellets. Well, if I threw two Oreos out in front of you, they'd be gone real quick too. But <laughs> they would. You know, I don't know her exact feed program, but she's doing it for vitamin mineral content, and they don't necessarily need a lot. Horses, as I've gotten gotten a little little further down the road in this, horses don't need a lot of sugars, especially as they age. There has been a thing many years ago, back when I was on this, oh, we fed sweet feed. Had a lot of molasses in it. Cover up anything in molasses, you can feed it to them. They'd eat it. Boy, it tasted good. It's kind of like cheesecake. Keeping their sugar in check and keeping their weight in check is no different than us. So that needs to be monitored because I don't I don't want that call. Oh my God, my horse just foundered because usually those things are kind of creeping up on you for a long time. It's not a problem until it's a problem. It can be prevented. I'm not going to say all of them, but an awful lot of these cases could be prevented. All right, guys, stick around. We're going to take a short little break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into a little bit more of a healthy weight for horses. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the official 2017 American Eventing Championship Farrier as well. And make sure if you have any questions or anything out there for him, go to equinedynamics.com and in the subject line, put podcast so Mike can decipher between all his other emails that he gets and we'll answer your question right here on the show. And don't forget for every podcast we do, I have a matching video and you can check that out over at YouTube, Mike Stein Equine Dynamics. And make sure you like him and follow him on Facebook. Mike, I've seen you posting a lot of stuff about interesting articles about horses and caring of horses and all the stuff that we talk about here in a little bit more depth. And make sure you follow him over on Facebook as well. And over to my far end side is Mike Stein. Good morning, Travis. <laughs> you doing okay over there? I'm doing good. Are doing you getting good. you getting hungry with all the feed talk and everything that we got going on? Oh, I'm always hungry. Now, we're going to continue this conversation about a healthy weight for a horse. And this article that your wife gave me here talks about having, you know, make sure you're taking pictures of the horse on a regular basis and then comparing them, you know, like one month at a time, one month at a time. Also, check the oral sugar tests and other levels. Uh, refrain from overfeeding your horse, especially uh, restrict or eliminate pasture turnout during periods of high sugar accumulation in the grass. You don't think of horses as having to watch their weight other than the little pasture lawn ornaments that we have out there uh, as far as controlling their weight. And you would think that horses will eat until they're done or they're satisfied or they like dogs. They will just eat, 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 eat and actually not process. And on that note, I actually was talking to a guy, this is many years ago when we got into up here to North Carolina, he compared the horse as an inefficient fuel generator as to compare to like cattle. Like horses eat, they don't maintain the, the nutrients and stuff and poop it out. As to where cattle will actually eat grass and produce an actual product. That's what he said to me and that's what stuck in my mind. I, I, I don't know the difference between the two. Well, their system is totally different as far as them utilizing feed. We'll get into body scoring and looking at the signs your horse is getting too fat. The crest on the neck, um, fat pockets you know, behind the shoulders, check your ribs, lower back. Has the horse got lumps on the on the dock of the tail? Has your horse got a trench down the middle of the back that water stands in? Now, these are all body condition scorings that to let you know that if you've got a fat or an overweight horse, just without, if you're not familiar with, you know, laying your hand on the horse and taking pictures all the time, these are the areas and spots that you're supposed to be looking for. Right, exactly. Weight tapes are easy enough to get. If you really can't afford a weight tape, figure out where they do it and tie a knot in a hay string on a good weight for your horse. Some of the vet clinics will weigh your horse's 
when they come in. But I tell you the truth, you know, if somebody knows how to use the weight tape correctly and they're consistent with it, I don't know they have to be completely accurate to the pound, but they're actually figured out pretty good on getting you in a good ballpark. Even if your numbers aren't right, as far as the exact weight of the horse, are you monitoring the size change? When you have to start letting your girth out and letting your girth out and letting your girth out. Kind of like my belt. <laughs> well, yeah. And on a, on a matured horse, you start, hmm, what's going on here? And people, oh, my God, I want a big horse. That's kind of a thing. The other thing is when you go out to the barn, your horse, you're feeding the treats. His ears are up. Look how my horse loves me. He's happy to see me. He's happy that you're a great big giant Pez dispenser. We give our horse uh, the little starlight mints, the little peppermints and stuff. Mm-hmm. She eats them right up. She knows exactly where they are. She always goes right to your pocket. And we're like, no, you don't have, we don't have any treats in there and you you think your horse is coming to you like that because your horse loves you it loves the treats right it smells the treats too <laughs> so what else should we be looking for as far as keeping a healthy weight on a horse like i say you can look up you know, your body scoring charts on a on a one to ten horses should about all a ten well you don't want them working for good year I'd say a little bit of weight. According to Dr. Mansman, they should run about a six on the scale. You know, when you really start scoring horses, there's a big discrepancy over how this person will score it or this person will score it. And so it's not a bad idea when you're vetted out there to have your vet take a look at your horse and make a call. And I've had people that would fire vets over that. I had a woman that I worked for that... Look at my horse, tell me what you think. Well, your horse is too fat. She just fired and get another vet. Because she didn't want anybody to tell her horses were too fat. And the sad thing is there have been several of them that ended up going down the road of laminitis that did not have to. I know sometimes we're when we're driving out here, we have a lot of horse farms. We have a lot of chicken farms out here uh, where we live at. And my wife will drive by, or as we're driving by, she'll look over and she'll see a couple horses. And, oh, look at the, the we call them ponies, pompons. She'll see a couple ribs, you know, two or three ribs exposed on maybe one horse. And she's like, oh, I feel bad for that horse. Not knowing, you know, is that bad to have the ribs showing on the side of the horse? Well, you know, some of it's the age of the horse also. Some of these older horses, weight sags down. They'll show a little rib, but they'll be carrying plenty of weight. That is not always an indicator. Some of it's the age and fitness level of the horse. If you ever look at stallion pictures, this was another one of those Dr. Mansman deals. He said, if you notice, they got all these stallions in beautiful mowed lawns. And everybody loves the picture of the horse out in the beautiful lush field. You know, grass up to their knees. And I know down in New Zealand, even with wild horses, people say wild horses don't founder. Well, in the wetlands down there where they get a lot of grass, there are definitely signs of laminitis in the wild horses. Where your desert horses, you may not see that. So it happens. With the stallions, beautiful manicured lawn, grass about six inches tall, manicured. you got your stallion out there in front of your big, beautiful barn. And he's gorgeous, and you can't see his feet. Why did they do that? Well, you know, they lost secretariat to laminitis. And there's been a number of stallions that... When they're breed covering a lot of mares, they end up with a lot of food thrown to them because they're working off a lot of calories. It's like docs, you know, look at them. They're beautiful horse, beautiful picture, beautiful grass. Did you never see them put them on blacktop where you can see what their feet look like? Now, are we as humans the reason why? Because you said the horses out in the wild and stuff don't founder. The most of the cause for the horses to founder? A lot of it can be monitored better. As far as the wild horses, there are horses in certain conditions where they do have laminitis showing up in the wild population. We've got this image of the wild horses and what is the perfect image of the wild horse. It's an image because some of those feet are not that good. Some of them are a huge mess. I've had horses that I've dealt with where the feet were nothing like the dream of the perfect wild horse's foot at all. There are some ugly feet that come out of the wild, 
and they're different. If you look at the the horses out on the outer banks, you've got horses' feet that you know that they're on the sand all the time. They're splayed out all over the place. But how do they survive? I guess is is my main confusion. I mean, you know, here we are. We're we're spending all this money on on shoeing the horses and and cutting the feet and doing all the stuff and and poking the saddle right and making sure everything's good and we're feeding the horses right. But yet we still have horses that are out there in the wild. You don't see them like washing up on shore like the horses out in the outer banks. You don't see or hear about them dying left and right or because they're having complications with their feet how are they surviving out there without a mike stein out there shooing their feet and well all that? normally the ones that have complications with the feet they don't keep up with the herd very long and they become food for something so it is it is a common practice for the horse because in i guess of course like anything in nature would just fall to the ground and then let nature take its course you also got to look at what is the average age of a wild horse they don't live from what i have been told 15 years old would be a very old horse out in the wild. Oh, really? That young? Yeah, they have they have a very different lifestyle. In comparison to our domestic horses, they're very hardy horses. Our domestic horses wouldn't last out there because they're not the same animal through our breeding and practice and everything else. There's a lot more you know, having them and looking at what they can eat, how their feet are, everything else. They're different from domestic horses. We have done all the selective breeding. With selective breeding out there was, well, if you can't keep up with the herd, you don't reproduce. If you got bad feet you can't be in the herd something will take you down something will eat you you know their weight fluctuates so they go up into the mountains get through the winter their weight drops off and when the grass is coming in the valley go down there they go into the, the valley's lane they, they eat because nobody's going to tell them to push back from the table right exactly but they're also moving as a you know as, as their whole lives it's not necessarily fast they don't they don't run everywhere they go but grazing and foraging is a little different foraging they're hunting for food the horses that are out in very sparse areas during the day they travel more than our domestic horses do it might be at slow pace but they're easing along so with circulation and everything that's totally different i mean going back to the body score you know, watch the just watching the crest on the horse's neck you know i've talked to people many times where you know this horse is too heavy and some people will take that very personal and get upset with you over it. No, it's not. I like my horse big or whatever it is. Now, is is there a outside of the actual weight tape? Is there, you know, remember the president's physical fitness that we had to do in school where they pinched right behind your elbow and, t- and told you like your body fat percentage? Is there something that you can clip on a horse or, or is there any kind of tool outside of the weight tape where you can clip a small area to measure their, their fat content? Do they have anything like that? That goes back to the scoring, your thing. body scoring. Okay, so it's and it's being, not just one area. And being honest about your body scoring. And also you look up horses like metabolic problems. That will make a difference in how they carry weight. So when you say the body conditioning scoring right here, it's one is poor, two is very thin, three is thin, and it gives a definition behind each one. Four, moderately thin. A score of six would be moderately fleshy. Uh, seven is fleshy. Eight is fat. And then nine would be extremely fat. And with all the one, two, three, four, five, six areas that you actually do on your horse, you want to get a score, total score, anywhere you said around six or something like that? Around six. They need a little. A little bit of energy to burn when okay. they need to. And that's a conditioning body tool. And this is a little chart that we have here. I think this right here, if someone wants to laminate this and, and put it up in your barns, I think a lot more people will be more privy or more knowledgeable and more aware of uh, their horse getting too fat. You can, I mean, you can go online and you can find this. It's it's all over the place. But the very skinny horse, oh, my God, the horse is skinny is starving to death. Oh, my God, we got to do something about it. Oh, the horse is fat. That's okay. The very skinny horse and the very fat horse, 
Which one is in the most danger? Which one is in, in more danger? Which I would, one is in more danger? Just being, you know, relating to human, I think the fatter one would be in more danger because of the weight on the feet and the both bones. Of, both of them are in trouble. Fat horses are living dangerous. Very skinny horses are living dangerous. There are some real health problems, and you're killing a horse by starving to death. Well, we don't look at the fat horse the same way, but guess what? We, we may be loving them to death because we love them watching. Our horse is very happy when they eat. Right. You know, we want our horse happy and we want our horse to love us, so we keep feeding them. They need to be treated as an, as an athlete and managed as an athlete for longevity. Even if, if you go out trail riding and that's all you want to do, which is great, probably saves a lot of people from to go out on a horse and get away from the world a little bit, de-stress, decompress, and all that. If we don't manage our horses correctly, there's only so many miles they have in them for a horse to go competitive and for a horse to climb their legs competitive. You're starting to see what it takes and how much dedication it takes to have a competitive horse and to go the long distance. And to get up in the ranks, you have to be able to go the long distance. And if we're not managing our horses, and that's feed program, that is your saddle, that is what I do. Bringing your vet in is is the body where it's supposed to be. That is so important on a horse to become an athlete. And a horse is a major investment. So you don't want to get a horse for your wife to do her thing on. And it's always worn out in a couple of years. we got to get another horse because that's just what happens to them. Sell and get another one. Right. I mean, you, you probably can. It's no big deal to somebody like you. But to a lot of us in the world, that's a real problem. Mm-hmm. And it gets real expensive. That and everything you've got invested to get the horse to where it needs to be. If you get a new horse, you start over again. And you start over again. And you start over again. It's cheaper to be proactive than reactive. Very good. All right. We're going to take one more little quick break and let you guys continue on about your day. Stick around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all alone. All alone in a time of need. Because he's racing and racing and plotting the course. He's fighting and fighting and riding on his horse. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, creating sounder horses from the ground up. Now, don't forget, Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF1 accreditation. And over to my far right inside is Mike Stein. Hello, Travis. Uh, you said I make things better for you, your oh, life? Yeah. <laughs> always, always. I'm, I'm really understanding why your wife married you. Oh, well, th- thank you very much. I'm very flattered. And uh, we'd like to hear from you guys as well. And the way you do that is go to equinedynamics.com. At the top of the page says contact. Any questions that you have for Mike, we'll answer on the very next podcast. And just put in the subject line, uh, podcast. Uh, so Mike can decipher between all his other emails that he gets, and we can get to your question right away. And if you want to see this video for every podcast we do, you can go to YouTube and search for, I'm sorry, Mike Stein with Equine Dynamics, and also located on Facebook as well under the same heading. And you can also send him out some questions, and Mike has a bunch of articles that he posts on that page as well also. All right, guys, what do we learn today? The continuing story of Dusty. Well, we're looking at Dusty and what we went through and part of our learning curve. Going through things I went, with, went through with my personal horses really changed the path of what I do as a farrier because I could get a shoe on and I could get it to stay there for at least till I got out the end of the driveway so it must be okay but paying attention to the horses and what they're telling us we can avoid a lot of problems so Dusty was your turning point as far as learning and actual looking at the whole all that, over that was a part of it because we had a problem and we had to figure out the problem then we had to throw, okay why did we get the problem because the things they don't they don't they don't just happen uh, getting ready for spring or fall for the, the grasses in your pasture. Be careful with your horses. Be careful with their weight. 
be careful what you put on the pastures. And I understand wanting to get to produce some food off your property for sure because the price of hay and everything is so expensive. Oh, it's but like $16 a bale now. Managing your horse as far as weight and overall caloric intake is very important because I don't want to get the call. I don't want your vet to call me. We need to look at some x-rays and we need to start doing something with this horse because they're getting in trouble. And one of the best things you said to put on a pasture, not fertilizer or anything, but is lime. Lime if you're going to put something on them. Be careful with really cranking up your grass. I've had situations where horses have been turned out on the fields and monitoring how long they're out there. you got to slowly wing them onto the grasses. You can't just throw them out there. And healthy weight for horses. Right. It's just like us, what we would think would be a healthy weight and a fitness level for a horse. You know, if you got a horse that's, that is, uh, oh, we love them being round and full-figured, <laughs> but they're starting to lean towards some possible metabolic problems, towards laminitis, towards anything else that would be a problem with us if we were in that kind of weight scale ourselves. All right, guys, on that note, we'll let you continue on about your day. Uh, make sure you follow Mike Sign on Facebook, YouTube, and you can email any questions to equinedynamics.com. On behalf of Mike Stein. Thank you, Travis. My name is Travis saying, see you next week. All of the doggies are in the corral. All of your work is done. Just close your eyes and dream.